The Isle of Man General Election 2021 coverage on Manx Radio. Good evening, it's seven o'clock. We're live tonight in Onken. Onken was first formed as a constituency in its own right in 1986, having previously been part of Middle. Onken sandwiched between Douglas to the south and Garth to the north. It's bordered to the west by the parish of Braddon in the constituency of Middle. Now, Onken Village is the Isle of Man's second largest centre of population after Douglas. Before the dissolution of the House of Keys on the 12th of August, the sitting MHKs were Rob Callister and Julie Edge. Our candidates tonight, Rob Callister, James Cherry, Julie Edge, Michael Leather and Peter Willers. First of all, Rob Callister, why do you want to be an MHK for Onken? Um, thank you, Andy. Over the last nine years, it's been an enormous privilege and honour to serve and to represent the people of Onken. Firstly, as an Onken Commissioner for four years before being elected to the House of Keys in September 2016. I'd like to think the people of Onken have found me fully engaged with all aspects of our community, approachable, hardworking, along with bringing a new level of political openness, honesty and integrity to such important roles. I'd also, um, I also have successfully challenged and influenced many policies, decisions and directions taken in five government departments since 2016, along with being the chairman of the Environment and Infrastructure Policy Review Committee, along with being the island's children's champion over the last year. Thank James you. Cherry. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for attending tonight and for listening and watching around the world if you're not in Onken. I'm Onken born and bred, and I'm passionate about our village and our island as a whole. I pledge to you my commitment for, to our constituency first and foremost, and focus my energy where, if elected, on improving all aspects of island government, but never forgetting where I have come from and those who elected me, if successful. I'll be promoting the application of more common sense approaches and in some cases braver decisions to take and to make government not more not only more effective but wipe out archaic unhelpful and outdated legislation we have massive issues at the moment with retaining youth and our aging population and affordable housing these are matters that really need to be thought of and brought to the fore in the next administration straight away julie edge I'm seeking re-election from you, the voters of Onken, to be your voice in the House of Keys on the 23rd of September. Since being elected, I've been fully committed to scrutinising, challenging and all the decisions of government, holding them to account and striving for greater transparency and accountability. I've proved I can drive change and have the backbone to make the tough decisions. I am certainly not afraid of making the right decisions if it's in the best interests of the people of the Isle of Man. Michael Leather. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I, first of all, would like to say that um, my hearing is not very good, but I will still struggle through. Uh, I, I, I want to be uh, an MHK for the simple reason that tourism I would like to promote and bring back. Also, I have degrees in building surveying and property development, which from the promenade, I believe, can be improved. Peter Willers. My, my feeling is that um, uh, the government uh, is very bad. It needs changing completely from top to bottom. I've not had one good word from anybody I've been to the door to uh, to um, uh, say that the government should stay as it is. It needs completely revamping. We need to um, uh, get rid of a large number of the civil servants because they're not functioning properly. They seem to be controlling the government. The MHKs don't do their job. They need proper, proper control. It needs to have a business environment 
which will ensure that the Isle of Man can grow and my grandchildren and your grandchildren can prosper in the future. They won't unless these changes are made. First subject tonight is going to be antisocial behaviour in Onkin Edge. How has it come to this and what can be done about it? Okay, certainly um, from my experience, I've, I've organised two public meetings for the people to come along. Uh, the police found them very helpful. Um, they certainly did some targeted approaches following the public meetings and the concerns from the residents. And certainly I think it has quietened down. We have spells of that all over the island. It's not just Onken. I still feel that Onken's a very safe place to live and work. And the police have done a good job along with the commissioners who have now organised for them to have a police base in Onken. Michael Leather. Antisocial behaviour is generally based on, on people going round without anything to do. Unfortunately, the island at the moment does not have facilities for them to do things. I believe that building on the promenade, making uh, attractions down there would, would put all these people together and then they, they would have things to do. At the moment, um, they're going around in little groups aimlessly, uh, creating problems. Peter Willers. There doesn't seem to be a cohesion between Onken commissioners and the police with regard to um, school holidays. They should bring in, the police should bring in um, uh, roving patrols to ensure that people don't gather and cause problems. One of the main problems is the uh, Onken doesn't have uh, sufficient uh, youth workers and it doesn't have sufficient um, places for them to go uh, during the day and, and have someone uh, uh, try and help them uh, occupy themselves during the uh, long time of the, lo of the holiday. Do you think there should be more police? There should be more police in Onken uh, going around because that will stop the antisocial behaviour at source. Rob Callister. I think um, over the last couple of years I think the teamwork has been successful and that includes the Alaman police, that includes the commissioners, that includes the local MHKs. In 2019 we, we successfully set up neighbourhood policing again. I think people can actually see the police in and around our village. I think things have improved. I underline exactly what Julie said, Onken is an incredibly safe place to live. Unfortunately we had a very sad incident. I think the whole community pulled together around that and I think it's also fair to say that a lot of the antisocial behaviour that's happening in Onken is not necessarily happening with children from Onken and I think it's a very clear statement to make that. James Cherry. I think antisocial behaviour is not it's, it's something that has been hitting headlines a lot in Onken but it's not just something that happens in Onken. It's, I speak to people who live in Port Aaron all, all around the island and it, it's something that is happening anywhere and everywhere essentially. Yes, it seems to be more rife in Onken, it has been in the past. Do we have enough police on, on shift at times? No, we don't. So do we need to look at more beat bobbies? Yes, I think we do. We need to look at those. But we do need to look at cheap or free things for young kids to do that are causing this trouble. The question of affordable housing comes up on, in everybody's manifesto. Uh, Peter Willers, what do you think the strategy should be on affordable housing? The, st the strategy should be that the planning um, uh, conditions need to be changed radically. The planning uh, situation, the planning law really isn't fit for purpose. It's quite obvious that it isn't because otherwise we wouldn't be in this position. We're in this position because uh, of planning control rather than uh, uh, and in dis that needs changing to ensure that it doesn't continue. It needs to be changed in a way in which uh, more affordable housing, more shared ownership, 
with the government, uh, uh, government mortgages. There's a whole series of things which are very simple to do uh, that, that can, can take place, but no one wants to do it because uh, it's not um, something which is their priority because most of those who are in power have houses and really are not in the position of having to uh, try and find accommodation. Michael Leather. The current situation is that in the island, 25% of for affordable housing, uh, which is um, a very, very small compared to the UK. The UK is 30% of it's a brownfield site, which is a site that's already been built on and then demolished and ready, ready for new uh, housing. Or on a greenfield site, it's 40%. So I, I believe that on this, that the Isle of Man should change towards this way. The housing, the cost of housing over here is very, very high compared to the UK. And in the UK, they, they have um, a thing called SIL, which is Community Infrastructure Levy, also which can be £100 a metre or more than this, um, which the island doesn't have. And yet, the houses are cheaper than they are on the island. Rob Callister. I think overall the first bit of information we need is the 2021 census. We need to actually look at that data to see exactly where the problem is. I think we also got to look at the actual number of housing units we have occupied on the island that hasn't moved from around 35,000 for the last 15 years. So it clearly indicates that we need to actually build some more housing. I think Michael's absolutely right. And what I've actually put in my manifesto is that policy five of the strategic plan needs to be adapted from 25% up to 40%, especially for green field sites. But at the same time, we need to push with the Manx corporate development and actually getting a lot of our brownfield sites developed as soon as possible. Is there any space in Oncombe for more development, more building? I think there is. I mean, at the top of Birch Hill, it's already been earmarked in the future to be built, but that is under, under the actual um, condition that the island's population has got to reach 89,000 first. I think there's a few pockets in Oncombe that need to be built, but it isn't just about Douglas and Oncombe. We need to be building across our island and we need to be putting businesses in there as well. We need to build communities, build areas around Oncombe completely. James Cherry. Yeah, affordable housing, it's a massive issue. Um, I, I speak to friends on a regular basis not being able to afford houses. We have a first-time buyer scheme that isn't fit for purpose. The maximum cap if you're a single person is 165000 as I said last week, I'd like to know what you could buy for that, apart from a field somewhere. Uh, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, last week, I had the opportunity to actually go in and see an eco-friendly eco passive house, which costs less than a couple of hundred pounds a year to heat, and it costs £155,000 to build. Why doesn't the government get on schemes like this? You could use them for rent-to-buy schemes, you could use them on first-time buyer schemes. We need to get creative and inventive, not to just bring young people back, but economically active people. Judy Edge. In the last five years, we had 31 affordable homes that nobody came forward to purchase. Um, so 20 went to the local authority in Peel, five went to the local authority in Ramsey, and five in Colby I created into a mid-rent scheme. And I think that policy needs to be put, pushed across the island. There's 66 affordable homes coming on, on stream in the next 18 months. There's 225 people waiting for those properties. 
It's 44 in the south, but there's only 29 waiting for properties in the south. So there is opportunity there. 66 properties in the next 18 months is good. I think government needs to be working with the developers, or certainly government itself, and we need to be doing sit-build properties, factory-built properties. We need to be doing rent-to-buy um, and also serviced plots. A serviced plot, you could get a sit-build, affordable home, similar to what James has talked about, sustainable properties for, for, for a good price. The £165, the 165k cap is for first-time uh, developer properties, but you can buy in the open market. And, you know, there is opportunity there, but we need to be doing more and look at the policy and make sure that residents have the option to purchase a home on the island before uh, anybody else. And what else. about older people downsizing? How difficult is that? Well, certainly, um, obviously in Onken, I've seen a lot of that lately. Um, I, I think we need to be doing mixed tenure. We need to be doing flats. I'd like to see the commissioners come forward with a new sheltered housing facility in Onken, um, you know, with possibly two bedrooms. The majority they've got at the moment are one bedroom, but that could then become general housing and available to everybody. OK, everything has to be paid for, so rebuilding the Manx economy after COVID. Peter Willers. The thing about rebuilding the economy is essential because, as we know, a rising tide lifts all boats. That is the only way in which the money can be generated to enable uh, the island to prosper. And therefore, we have to make the island business-friendly, not government-friendly. There is no business friend friendship in the, in the Isle of Man. You only got to read the um, Chamber of Commerce, Commerce um, uh, results as to what they're inhibiting all of the businesses on the island. Time after time after time, uh, over government restriction, uh, lack of uh, lack of people to work, uh, those sort of things. So it is impossible to grow the island with all of this um, government restriction. Do you think the island's become risk averse? It has. It's very risk averse. James it's, Cherry. Yeah, I mean we we've got to massively try and recoup the losses. I think every nation has to do in this in the world. I think we need to diversify our economy. We've been too reliant for too long on finance sector, e-gaming, um, engineering, um, not as much as the other two. I mean, you look at the Job Centre website, the biggest list for, for job vacancies is the finance sector. You know, they're, they're screaming out for workers, but, you know, not everyone wants to go into finance or has financial um, sector um, qualifications. So we do need to diversify the economy. With diversification, you'll get newer people coming over. And again, if you target that economic active population, I think we could, we could flourish there. Rob Callister. Yeah, we need an economic um, framework to drive forward the island's economy. We need to continue to look at diversifying the economy into maybe possibly fintech, digital and green and, um, technologies, along with rebuilding our tourist sector. We must also address our climb, uh, declining working population as a key priority. We also need a workforce that's highly skilled for business to grow and to thrive, along with those well-paid jobs that are a foundation of our economy in the future. For that reason, I fully support the living wage as well as an opportunity to get our economy active again post-COVID. Michael Leather. Diversity in, in the economy is essential, as it is not realistic to simply rely on finance sector. It has been recently shown by the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development that countries are now requiring minimum tax rate of 15%. America under Joe Biden is calling for 25%. While the island enjoys uh, the income from the offshore tax, this could become detrimental where companies could leave the island. What we need is 
uh, our tourism, where I used to enjoy it as a young boy, and we, there is a way which this can be brought back. It has been put in my manifesto, and I can show more with that. OK, we'll come to tourism shortly. Uh, Julie Edge, diversifying, rebuilding the economy. Yeah, certainly we need to look at new emerging technology. Um, certainly that's one of the things we need to be focusing on for climate change, but climate change at no expense. I know you'll come on to that. Um, we need to look at our taxation policies. Um, obviously, we've got our, our, our zero 010 policy. We need to look at that. I'd like to see a flat rate of tax throughout rather than zero ten, we're going to have to look at it because of the common corporate tax base um, so I think key to that and to attracting people to the island is a, is a good taxation system that will attract people and businesses to the island which will then create jobs uh, So to the green agenda, James Cherry, uh, the government has a green agenda, do you know what it is and is yours any different? Yeah, I mean we, we've, we've got to drive change, I mean the, the government one. Um, 75% of our electricity by 2035 to come from renewable sources. It's all well and good, and it's a good idea, but how are we going to get around it? We have um, two diesel backup power stations that are going to go offline in 2028. They provide power when Paul Rose isn't pumping out electricity. Yes, we, we import power from the UK from quite a bit of the time on the interconnect, but then if we just get rid of these two backup power stations and put another interconnect in or increase the the, um, the power we have over the inter interconnect at the moment, aren't we just transferring our responsibility for climate change reduction to another jurisdiction? Um, I think that's a bit passing the book. So we need to look at innovative ways of, of going around things. As I say, passive homes, building these, getting um, climate products into people's homes if they want it. It's totally up to them, not forcing it on people. Um, we need to do stuff like that get people, people want to, to put eco-friendly heating systems in the homes, but the current um, Green Living grant that's going to come out in October um, is already not being fit for purpose, and that's come from a number of technologies. Julie Edge. Uh, certainly, I don't, I don't, I'm for climate change, and I actually voted for the 2035 target, but I feel as an island nation, we need to do what's right for the island, not have things forced on us. We need to invest wisely, we need to be offering grants to the people of the island rather than to businesses to, to get income from, from the climate change strategy, and um, certainly, obviously, we've got an energy strategy coming forward. It's billions of pounds, and the people of the Isle of Man haven't got billions of pounds, and grandchildren, as Mr Willis talks about, will be paying for that for the future, so we need to be looking at it wisely and doing the right thing for the Isle of Man. Uh, do you agree we should um, exploit the gas field off Mackled? Um, certainly, that's there, and obviously Kroger haven't haven't progressed that as far as they could. Uh, there's a lot of people on the doorstep say that we should exploit that um, because we will need gas for the period of time up to 2035. Um, certainly, I would want to look at how that how that was going to happen and how it would benefit the island before I'd make a decision. Michael Leather, the energy in the UK consists of 64% of fossil fuel, 18% renewable, and 18% nuclear. The Isle of Man is 80% gas, 8% from the waste plant, 1% renewable, and 11 is from the UK. In relation to this, uh, the Isle of Man's carbon footprint is one thousandth of the UK. The Isle of Man has to look sensibly and realistically at the, at, at the amount that it has to spend in relation to this. And I, I believe that we need to look 
and wait without rushing into spending everything that, uh, on, on what we're doing. And it's based on a similar uh, saying, it's the second mouse that gets the cheese. Peter Willers. Uh, the Isle of Man, as it's currently constituted, will never ever achieve um, uh, renewable energy in any, in any shape or form because it has failed consistently on all its intentions in the past. In 20, that we were supposed to have 15% of renewable, en renewable energy for electricity supply by 2015, and as I understand it from what Mr. Leatherage just said, we've got 1%. How can they possibly stand up and say that they're going to do anything? The answer is they won't do anything. What we need to do is that if we had to have gas, um, exploitable gas, we should use it uh, to the fullest extent to create a, a, a pot to enable us to go into proper green energy. So we should save money and use, use the proceeds of that solely for green energy um, uh, investment. And that's the way to go forward. But it won't happen because the Isle of Man is, has got a history of never ever achieving anything. The 2010 um, uh, a report by uh, Exeter University about renewable energy still sits on the shelf. It's a very, very uh, valuable report. It shows that the Isle of Man can only produce electricity for 8,000 uh, electric vehicles. We have 65,000 registered vehicles on the island. It's just a joke because nobody really um, deals with the real problems. They just don't do it because they don't know how to do it. Rob that's Callister. why they need changing. Yeah, I think we all agree that we have to start this um, green agenda and the, the green journey and how we tra transfer over from fossil fuels to more renewable fuels. My concern is how we pay for it because I think most people we speak to absolutely support some sort of green change of how we heat our homes, how we insulate our homes. You know, so it, there is major change that we need in respect of planning, how we heat our homes. But my concern, and that's why I did not support the 2035, is because at this moment in time, I honestly cannot actually tell the people of Onken of how we pay for it. Because I think most of my constituents and most people across the island want to know is how we actually pay for it. And at a time when the government's already lost £240 million and businesses are already pushed and constituents' budgets are already strained, I think government's going to have to lead the way. So it's going to, you know, the Green Living Grant, I do support that. I think that's a good initiative. We can get houses insulated. That's a very quick, easy win. But when it gets more difficult about replacing gas fire boilers or oil boilers, government's going to have to step in with grants and that's going to cost many millions of pounds. If we take the high scenario, which is one of the um, recommendations, that's £52 million per year for 10 years. It's going to be a private and um, private and um, government sort of investment. If we take the lower route, it's still going to be £26 million per annum for 10 years. It's a major investment. Everybody's got to buy in it, but government's okay. going to have to lead the way. OK, uh, let's come to tourism then. A strategy for the future. Is the Isle of Man ever going to, back, get, to get back anywhere near it was? Julie Edge. It'd be great if we could, wouldn't it, Andy? I think we've got a totally different market than we had previously. I think we need to be looking at doing our marketing more professionally rather than in-house within government. We need to get professionals marketing the island like they do in, in other jurisdictions. I think there's a, an untapped market, certainly in the cities. People that want to go and walk on holidays, they, they travel six hours to go to the Lake District. The island needs to be tapping into that, but we need to have great connectivity with the UK through our ports and our airports. OK, yeah, where airport. does the Isle of Man shape up? I mean, just imagine that uh, in the same marketplace we have Snowdon, we have the Lake District, perhaps uh, North Yorkshire, places like that. Is the Isle of Man prim and proper and polished enough to compete with places like that? 
I think we need to polish up some of our areas on the island to make sure that we are competitive. We have a unique, fantastic beauty on the island that you can see all those places on one place. Okay. And I think that's important. Michael Leather. The island needs more purpose-built hotels, new ones. It also needs facilities. And more importantly, it requires the boat fares to be reduced. As the government now owns the boat, it, the, the fares could be half price return. The, when the, the uh, tourists come to the island, they have to stay somewhere, they spend money, it, so therefore the government will get VAT and the income tax back on that, and it will produce a lot more people. The, uh, also, the government has to, has to show that it, it is serious and make a commitment, serious commitment. In Blackpool, they were given £300 million by the EU, they spent it wisely, They've in, from there they've had private enterprise pouring in and in 2019 they had 18 million tourists. A lot of them were maybe day trippers or weekenders but there was a lot that stayed there as well and it's all down to the cost to get there and back. Okay, Peter Willers. Uh, what, ha what has to happen is that the um, uh, island needs to um, uh, improve its um, uh, offering in every way. It needs to uh, make the uh, points of entry uh, tidy, clean them up, make them places where people are pleased to go through rather than uh, avoid uh, like the plague. It needs to um, ensure that um, uh, there is free transport on the island um, for everybody who's got a, um, a booking for a, a hotel or boarding house uh, or whatever it is um, when they come and stay so that they can get round the island and look at places and they can bring their children. Children should go free as well on, on the boat uh, and uh, there shouldn't be. You've got to get people here and you can't get people here because of the cost of getting here and the cost of staying here. So therefore you, do, you take one of those costs out of the equation and then people will come across uh, to uh, to the Isle of Man. They won't until that happens. Uh, what do you think will be the impression of the first time visitor at Ronald's Way and at the sea terminal? Appalling. Rob Callister. I've been the political member for tourism for the last five years. Um, we saw year-on-year -year growth. You know, we were reaching 308,000 visitors to our island before COVID-19. And then we published an ambitious plan to increase that to 340, which would have given an economic spend of around 159 million pounds and created thousands of jobs. All of that disappeared very quickly with COVID-19. We do have to rebuild from the bottom up. An independent report clearly showed what we have to do, and that is to create more routes in and out of the Isle of Man because the evidence shows that most people visit our island actually um, come from a very small area from where the airport is. So we need to create those routes. We've got to rebuild confidence. We've got to revive our tourist sector. It's one of the key priorities that the government must do because everything we do with tourism also benefits locals. So, you know, if our local, if local people want to leave the island, they use the same routes as people coming to the island. We need to connect everything up, but it has to be a key priority. And also inbuilt to that, when, if we have more tourism, Tourist visitors coming to the Isle of Man, they have to use infrastructure, and that infrastructure is here for Manx people as well. So Absolutely. restaurants, hotels, Restaur cinemas, Cin clubs, heritage, anything. everything. And just to answer Michael's question, I mean, we've we've seen three new hotels built in the last five years, and they've come online. I think there's a fourth one that's just about to open. So we have seen clear investment. What we need now is the next government is to get behind tourism and to start it again because it's key to everything around the island. James Cherry. Yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you think we're going to get back to the heydays of 
of the 50s and 60s, I think sadly you're in a bit of cloud cuckoo land. Um, we have lots of niche markets on this island. We don't exploit them to the, to the max. You know, walking routes, we have some great coastal footpath routes, other footpath routes. They're not well maintained by DOI and other groups, so they, and they should be. Um, you know, things like that. It's target the niche markets. Yes, we need the, the routes, absolutely. Cost is prohibitive. You know, you can book a holiday to Portugal for 300 quid, yet that's probably what you're going to pay to get here, let alone, as I say, holiday for... Everybody's some... talked about this for years, James mm. Cherry. So, I mean, the, the steam packet is now in public ownership. Are you saying that the government should mandate, should enter into them, should vary the marketplace for visitors? Yes. I mean, you've got... I think you need, you need to... I mean, you look at the... I know Stena Line is, is... You look at that, they, they come past the island quite every day, near enough with their vessels to Ireland and stuff like that, so it's a bit of a different um, business model. But you look at how cheap those fares are, there's, there's a reason why they go into other places, because it's so goddamn cheap, you know. Well, they're done as a package. They're not done I, independently. I, I so I think that. that's what we need to get back to, because in the 70s we had package holidays. Well, I understand so. that, but the thing is, yeah. it's £280 return for a car and two people on the steam packet at the moment. But the hotels that, need the to work with the steam packet I, I, and come forward with some okay. packages. £280 so. for, a car, for two people in a car... I could probably get you to the south of France and back for that if you wanted. Okay, right, we're uh, halfway through the night, ladies and gentlemen. Now is the time when we're going to open the floor up uh, to members of the audience with a question. Who's got a question, first of all? Uh, your name, sir, and the question. Brian Stoll, and my question is to all members. The recent attempt to introduce a bill that would impose restrictions on the public sector and punish them for failing to perform has set the bar as far as I'm concerned. Given that the island's recent history is littered with projects that have gone grossly over budget and have been totally ill-conceived, will you support, if you are elected, a system whereby the people who are responsible for these faux pas, giving it a, a reasonable term, are actually named, shamed and punished within government. Peter Willers. Yes. Thank you. Okay, Michael, Michael Leather. As far as I'm concerned, chief executive means nothing. What people, all the government people who are acting responsible should, in responsible positions, should have whatever qualifications they have after the name. They should also be responsible, as has been explained, but also a lot of these enjoy committees, and I believe that they should have the minutes written down as to who voted for what and who proposed what. That way we, we can hold them responsible. Julie Edge. Um, in July, sitting at Timwald, I had a motion that virtually got through, apart from members not voting to continue with the sitting, that CEOs should be on performance-related pay on a lower pay, and they have to get their bonuses by performing and being accountable to the people, the taxpayers of the well, island. They work for nothing. Well, you'd have to set set a bar, but then obviously they've got to work to get them targets. That would uh, be a change. But, but certainly, with the landlord legislation, which I know is, is what you're referring to. Um, that was a difficult piece of legislation, but at the end of the day, I think you'd probably agree that we do need some standards, but they need to be applied across the rental sector. Okay. Uh, James Cherry. It has, so, yeah. Uh, it has, yeah. yeah well, I mean, the high-level civil servants, decision-makers, the, at the high level, yes, they need to come under scrutiny. Simple as, you know. 
you've got your public accounts committee and other committees that do other work and yes some are brought forward but you know we've had massive problems you know DOI is, is the massively littered with them what the hell is going on and we need to well that's what the, that's what the voters are asking yeah and you know sometimes even the politicians don't know what's going on so that we need to, to get down and go, what the hell is going on down there? Rob Callister. Yeah, the simple answer is yes, Brian. I think you're absolutely right, and I know you're referring to the landlord bill. That particular piece of legislation tore me in part because when I went into the department, um, exactly right, when I read the legislation, it was not fit for um, purpose. And I think I described it as a bag of spanners. It should never have gone out for consultation. Absolutely never. Still a bag of spanners when well, it came. It's, it's still a bag of spanners. It is, but it's, hang on a second, it's had 120 changes. What we need now is to make sure the guidance is right. Do I support the landlord registration bill? Yes, I absolutely do. Do I? Did I actually support Move the legislation? Did that. I support the legislation that went out for consultation? Absolutely not. That bill has changed significantly, but it needs more changes. It needs working okay. with the landlord. Next okay. question. Sorry. Yeah. Sure it's right. Your name, sir, and your yeah. question. Uh, Robin Turton. My question is. The Isle of Man is a very rich nation. I'd ask each of our candidates what they're going to try and do to do away with child and family poverty on the island. We have food banks and we have over a thousand children who the government sponsor and feed for 200 days a year. And yet the 165 days a year, at least that number, they forget them. Okay, Michael Leather. I'm sorry, I didn't get the full question. Uh, uh, the, uh, there are children in poverty across the Isle of Man, which the Isle of Man supports. Uh, I think you're talking about what are we doing for school meals for poor people, for poor children? I totally agree that if, if, if they're a poor family and they require school meals, they should get them. It, it, it's an automatic thing to, to look at. Do you accept that there's an underclass of poverty on the Isle of Man? There's, there's, there, there is uh, poverty on the Isle of Man. I, I've gone through uh, various places and I've found these things. This is why in my, uh, in my manifesto that I, I've suggested that uh, the laptops and whatever from school, from the uh, um, government that, that have been discarded should be available for these people. There should be somewhere where I suggested as the hub where they should be allowed to go down and, and use these laptops. Okay, Peter Willis. I'm not quite sure where the uh, child poverty is, but it shouldn't exist. It's absolutely appalling that in uh, 2021 we have any child po poverty anywhere in the Isle of Man. We shouldn't have food banks. Shame on the government for letting us get into a situation where that happens. I'm absolutely appalled by it. And it needs stopping immediately. It needs dealing with immediately. Everybody on the Isle of Man should be able to get food without having to beg, borrow or steal it. I mean, where are we? Are we in 1200 or are we in 2020? Julie Edge. Um, obviously, I think we need to support families. We need to look at the benefits system to make sure that it's supporting the families that are most in need. Um, I think some of our, our gas prices, for instance, social housing in the previous administrations, they put gas in everywhere. Families can't afford it, so therefore they're choosing between food, heat, and putting clothes on, on the backs of their children. Totally needs a benefits review. School meals and vouchers should continue throughout the year. Rob Callister. Yep, I agree with most of the comments that have already been said. You're absolutely right. This is 
a disgraceful um, problem that has to be resolved quickly in the next administration. I think the benefit system is absolutely one that needs to be reviewed. We also need to introduce a living wage as a priority in the next House to actually help support people. I think we've also got to look at some of the methods of how people are paid. I personally have always championed that um, rent should be paid directly to the landlords wherever possible. I think we've also got to look at some of the systems to actually to make sure they capture people when they are facing cliff edge decisions. Because when I've had a recent meeting with Food Bank, a lot of those people who went to Food Bank actually faced a cliff decision. And we've got to stop those decisions keep happening. And we've got to find solutions. The Poverty Committee, its report and its findings have to be implemented as a priority. James Cherry. Yeah, poverty shouldn't exist, full stop. You know, it is awful some of the stuff some people go through and decisions they have to make. The mind boggles that we are in this situation that we're in. Um, and it's horrific, you know, but it's not something that people see on the doorstep because it's not like a homeless person that's out in the street like you'd see in Liverpool and the likes of Manchester because you can't see it. It's like mental health, but that's another matter. It is something that it dramatically needs doing. It needs looking into, um, and it, it does need sorting out. And there's a, a number of ways we could go. Back. Okay, next question. Your name, sir, and your question. Anthony Allen. For the last five years, government has not been the solution to many issues like health, education, housing, jobs. But in this time, poor government has been the problem, and the expected progress has not happened. If you are elected, what is your number one priority to be part of the solution and not add to another five years of decline? Julie Edge. I think the key priority is going to be getting the economy back on track. We definitely need to do a complete review of taxation on the island, national insurance, which, which supports our health service. Um, I, I think my, that is my priority. And once you, once you look at that, you get your taxation right, encourage new business town, you have jobs and growth for everybody. Rob Callister. Yeah, I think my priority is, is looking at ways of increasing our working population because without that, we can't frontline, um, fund frontline services. I think in respect of health, we've established Manx Care. And I think we've got to see how that journey folds, um, um, unfolds in the next couple of years. I think in respect to housing, that is a priority because we've got to identify what has actually caused the housing issue in the last 18 months. You know, is that due to family breakdown? I think the other priority is mental health and also our education, rebuilding those relationships okay. as well. Okay, James Cherry. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of issues that have been addressed and that, that need, need to be addressed as well and urgently. And again, we, everyone said this is we need to grow our, our economic population and it, we need to do it. And we need to More people, more jobs. Essentially, yeah. We've, we've got that many jobs that are available on the Job Centre website that can't, be, that can't be filled. The repeat jobs going out there all the time. We've seen it down at the airport in airport security. Well, that's a different matter. But, you know, we need to grow something and also bureaucracy. OK, Peter Willers. The answer is, of course, uh, the government needs sorting out and it will stop then. Um, as I've said many times, you need more people here, you need more businesses here, and the only way to increase the growth on the island and overcome these problems is to increase the economy, and you can only do that with people and businesses. And when you, you say more people, what about the work permit system? Uh, it, uh, the work permit system is absolutely appalling. It, it's never been fit for purpose. It really was the keep, keep the uh, Isle of Man it's white policy. The island, actually, That's the problem. Pizza. No, it does it not. The it doesn't, it doesn't help the island in any way. Time, please. 
pardon? Sorry, well, your turn, sorry. Yeah, Just I said that um, it, it, um, it was there, it kept the island white. You look round this room and tell me, you know, where, where's, where, where are the people of colour? Okay, Michael Not Leather. Here. Your first priority, sorry. Well, uh, again, uh, I, I have produced uh, a plan with, on the promenade. Okay, could you tell us now then? I'm sorry? Just tell us then, please, your first priority. My first priority? Yeah. My first priority is, is, is to produce a second income for the island because over the past five to ten years, the way the books have been balanced is by taking money out of the uh, assets. So, obviously, it hasn't been a very good situation. We can't carry on keep, keep taking money out, out of the reserves to balance the books. We need a second income. A second income which, would again, with the one that we're doing with finance, they can leave the island just as quickly and easily. Where does the island go then? We need tourism, and there is a way of doing it. OK, uh, next question. Your name and your question, please. Hiya, it's Vivian Harrits here. And I think the bottom line is the fact that you're not going to get people coming over here to work, school people, when the prices of the houses are so high and you're letting people uh, buy houses and block from across. And something needs to be done about that and it's up to the government to sort it out. Because even highly qualified people, it's just ridiculous to say it's an affordable house at £300,000. You've got to have a £30 deposit. So how is a young person uh, going to get onto the housing market? Julie Edge. Something needs to be done about this, full stop. Obviously, we have the first-time buyers schemes, um, which do support young people getting on the ladder. But I do feel that we need to have residency qualification. We've certainly increased um, the uh, regist land registration fees for second homes. And I think there is ways of government doing it through regulation to make sure that we do have enough affordable homes available to people. I do believe that if we're trying to attract skilled people, key workers to the island, we should be giving them housing for at least six to 12 months to attract them to the island and then they will hopefully buy and purchase a property. And do you but think that was a key workers policy in the 70s and 80s that worked and then many of those people stayed on think, the island. Do you think that's stopping skilled workers, key workers perhaps coming to the Isle of Man? I, I think we need to be supporting them within at least that first six months to attract them to the island and hopefully they will stay, but we also need to be providing facilities, indoor, leisure, entertainment. Michael Leather. I, I believe that land over here um, is, is at a premium because there's probably a handful of uh, construction people who own this land. As soon as land is available, it's bought up straight away. So therefore, the ones that are in control of the land are in control of the houses, which again are in control of the prices, because unless they build... That there's no houses. So basically at the moment, uh, it's more or less the construction people are telling the government what to do rather than the government being able to, able to tell the construction people what to do. Peter Willers. Uh, you, can't, you can't take land away from uh, people who own it. What you can do is you can change uh, the planning system so that there is more land um, uh, for housing designated specifically only for first-time buyer, only for owner-occupiers, not for rent, and that would create the necessary land availability to enable houses to be built at a lower cost. The fact is that um, 
the people who, who are wanting to do businesses here um, employ staff who are well paid. They, they come from England, they own houses in England, or they're able to pay the rents there. They're no different here. So you shouldn't stop uh, uh, housing as such. You should actually just change, solve the problem by dealing with the, short, the, the nil supply of um, low-cost housing land. That's the way to do it. Rob Callister. Yeah, thank you. Um, 313,000 is the average house price in 2020. I think for first-time buyers, we need to look at those thresholds to make them more accessible to the 21st century. In 2019, I know that DFE introduced a new um, registration fee that actually supported local um, residents who actually lived in the properties. On average, you could save somewhere between eight and nine hundred pounds. And that has definitely helped local people in the last couple of years. As I've said, we've got uh, the, the actual number of housing units lived in on the island is around 35,000. That hasn't changed in 15 years. So that's a clear sign that we need to invest in more housing. As you say, we, we need, with an aging population, we need to give our older population a choice to downsize if they choose to. We also need new housing for people to get on. And again, I'll just repeat that I think policy Housing Policy 5 has to be amended and to increase that from 25 to 40 percent for greenfield sites and maybe reduce it even for brownfield sites to get those sites developed. Okay, James Cherry. I mean, the lady picks up on bringing key workers over. If it wasn't for key worker houses in, in the 80s, 90s, I wouldn't be here. It's as simple as that. My family used that scheme to come to the island in the 80s to come here to work and it's gone. You know, I, I've spoken to an assistant head teacher um, of a high school and they struggle to em employ people because they've got nowhere to live because of the astronomical costs. So going back to building homes for £150,000 that are cheap to run, we need to get schemes like this, be ambitious and do it because if we don't... Is we this don't... something you picked up on the doorstep? Yes, it is. I mean, we, we did a, a debate a few weeks ago and the gentleman with, with the passive home came, came to me. Okay, next, your name, sir, and your question. Uh, name's Nigel Dobson. Government tends to sit for five years, but hopefully plans for further ahead. Uh, in 2030, the plan is that uh, there'll be no further petrol, diesel, or hybrid cars on sale. They'll all be electric. Where are the electric points going to go? Who finances them? Government, local authorities, private sector? And how do you recoup the lost income from fueling, fuel tax? Michael Leather. It's a very good point, but at the same time, it is that um, it's a proposal. It's not nothing is in, in stone. Um, with regards to electric cars, you're quite right. At the moment, we do not have enough uh, electrical supply to um, provide for these things. But again, it's within 2030, so we've got another 10 years to look into this. Okay, Julie Edge. I think the technology will have moved on by 2030 and it won't necessarily all be electric vehicles. Um, certainly government, local authorities and grants for people to put charging points in their own homes is, is, is an opportunity through this green um, living grant. Um, we need to be keeping abreast of the technology. We know that the batteries and that they're struggling for, for the minerals that they require for the batteries. Um, I think hydrogen will have developed well by the 2030s so uh, we need to be looking at a mix and also looking at the manufacturers to provide the same levies to the people of the Isle of Man to purchase an electric vehicle if they wish to because we don't have that but how could they fix it time. for apartments 
Well, that, that's something that we need to look at. In many places around the world, you can have like a lamppost with 10, 12 charging points coming off it. We don't have that on the island. We seem to be looking at ones and twos. There's, all, there's opportunities in apartments with, with garages and things at the back. So Peter Willers? You won't be able to charge the car, so there's really no point. All these grandiose schemes never really work. Um, they, they're, they're just pie in the sky to make people feel good. Uh, what you actually have to do is start from the basics and um, so far as um, uh, renewable energy is, is concerned, you've got to get enough renewable energy uh, going and then you can plan on from there. And you can, you, what you do, you do it in, in, in un together. You, you, you don't um, wait until you've got it, but you know it's coming on stream and therefore you can start planning for it. But you can't do anything unless you plan properly. And none of these things have ever been planned properly. So why would it happen now with the current way the government operates? It James won't. Cherry. I mean, um, Michael said it was a proposal to ban petrol and diesel cars. It is actually something that is going to happen in the UK in 2030. They have confirmed that, and it's 2035 for the for the EU. So, no about, way about it. Unless you you want to import a car from China or somewhere like that in 2035, good luck. You're going to struggle. We we need to sort out the infrastructure. How do you pay for it? Well, it's the same as you going to a petrol station. If you plug in, you need to pay for it. It's as simple as that, and that's how it needs to go. Yes, it's been fine and dandy now that you get free charging point. But hang on, who's paying for it? The taxpayer, but it's your vehicle. No, you're going to have to start paying for it. You pay for it at home when you plug in. You know, you might get cheap rate at night. You know, you can get. You may have an incentive of a cheap rate using the plug-in meter when you're out and about. And if everybody plugged in at the same time, what would happen? It would go bang. It would be an enormous bang. I, I That's think, what would happen. As Julie says, as Julie says, technology moves forward rapidly, and in this sector, it has done. I mean. Nine years ago, when I was in um, in education and I was in business studies, we looked at renewable energy sources, cars. H H Honda were massively okay. forward with hydrogen power. Rob Callister. Yeah, I think um, the, we just got the new Green Living Grant that starts in October. It's disappointing that people cannot apply for a grant through um, the charging point because it was in there originally and Treasury took it out. I think that was the wrong decision because you're absolutely right. I think everyone has already said with regard to the technology, we all understand how quick the technology is moving. It's moving at such a fast pace. So none of us in this room actually know where we will be in nine years' time other than significantly into the future. I mean, in respect to road tax, I'm almost certain that that will be part of uh, if your app when you're charging it will be integrated with that I don't think it'll be separate where you actually apply for it I think it will all be integrated into your charge when you charge your vehicle in the future but uh, I'm absolutely right that it is a concern about the loss of fuel duty but I don't think we'll completely get rid of it until at least 2035. Okay your name sir and the question. Uh, so my name is Joe Chamberlain and my question for the candidates is we're on a small island yet we seem to have an unbelievable amount of local authorities some of whom can't even fill their seats, some of whom didn't even have elections. And I'm wondering if any of the candidates here support reform of that system. OK, uh, very quickly, Rob Callister. Yes, I agree with um, reform. I go with the original recommendation, which was 11 local authorities. I don't believe in the regional structure. They've got to be small enough to be accountable, but big enough to carry out the services that we need. James Cherry. Uh, this is in my manifesto, and yes, it needs to happen. Simple as... Uh, as Rob, as people have said, you can't fill seats. So my my idea is, yeah, you have um, nine local authorities, leave Douglas as it is, and the rest you align with the MHK constituencies. Uh, Peter Willers, uh, I think there should probably only be two or three, uh, four at the most local authorities, 
there's no reason why they can't be, be amalgamated. I think um, the MHK should be reduced in number as well. Why do we need um, 24 MHKs and then uh, however many MLCs? I mean, the place is so over-governed, it's unbelievable. And it needs to change, it needs to be sorted out because because we're so over-governed, nothing really happens to make things better for everybody. It needs to be governed in a sensible way with a smaller number of people um, in line with the number of people who live on the island. Michael Leather. Local authorities are uh, quite small and it, the, the larger the authority is, the, the, the more efficient it could become because they can afford to have they're professional people, they can afford to have extra things that are, that are required, which at the moment they can't do. Julie Edge. Yes, totally agree with reform. We need regional bodies that are, and boards that make sure we get progress, efficiencies, effectiveness throughout the local authorities and reduce costs for the ratepayers. Uh, now then, it's uh, come to the time in the evening, ladies and gentlemen, where each candidate will have one minute to sum up their thoughts, aspirations and pitch to you the voters of Onkin. So in, uh, we started off with uh, Rob Callister, so we'll finish off with Rob Callister. First of all, Peter Willis. Well, what I would like to be able to do is to start, is for the island to start afresh on its um, uh, system of government to ensure that um, it doesn't over-employ people, uh, to ensure that uh, when it makes um, uh, promises it actually sticks to them, it doesn't overspend people's money, it spends the money as if it's their money rather than uh, their own money rather than money which they can just draw on uh, to f fill the hole which they created because they have been incompetent in what they're doing. It needs a thorough overhaul and that's the only way to make the Isle of Man work and until that happens it will carry on going from uh, pillar to post all the way through the next um, uh, 20 years as it has done during the last 35 that I've been here. Michael Leather. I would like to see uh, a second income coming to the island as I have repeatedly said if people would read my manifesto they would see what I'm talking about and I would be more than happy to answer any questions which they would have. As regards to um, the island, I, I think that um, the government is just uh, bloated and it, it needs to be trimmed and needs more people to know what they're talking about. And all these fancy titles such as chief executive and all those, they need to, to uh, check to these people that they actually um, have qualifications in that field and that they're capable to do it, doing the job. Julie Edge. I hope that through my newsletter and manifesto you will agree that I've met my obligations to you and been a strong voice for Onken. Stood up and challenged continuously, holding government to account. I'll continue to strive for better services and a good quality of life for all in the best interests of the island. My questions, motions, research and scrutiny has enabled me to effectively change policy and legislation whilst highlighting a bloated structure that has eroded frontline service delivery to people. If re-elected as a priority, I will continue my motion to make chief executive officers and senior managers accountable with performance-related pay. I'll endeavour to pause capital schemes, not started, to make sure that that's, that them projects are fit for purpose, redirecting that funding, health, education, roads and pavements. Without accountability, we'll continue on the same road with failed projects. Public interest, not self-interest, is my mantra. I've never forgotten that you, the people of Vonken, 
pay my wages. You are the taxpayers. Please vote for Julie Edge. James Cherry. So next Thursday, the 23rd of September, you have the opportunity to vote for two MHKs. I hope you would choose me as someone who's young, can bring new ideas, but not be afraid to shout from the rooftops about problems where we need to, where there are issues that massively need addressing, and hopefully bring a younger perspective to what may be available to you here tonight. We have, as I say, issues that need addressing. Housing, economy, poverty, the list goes on. These are issues that need addressing and massively need addressing in the next five years. Not just for those five years, but for years and years ahead. And they need to be addressed quickly, efficiently, and with common sense approach. Hopefully, that is what we get on the 23rd September if you vote, Cherry. Rob Callister. And um, thank you. As a proud Manxman, I want to see the economy um, truly flourish and for the island to create those highly skilled, well-paid, long-term employment opportunities that we'll need over the next 15 years. I also want to see a housing first policy and a health service that we all can respect and cherish, along with an education system that rebuilds trust and truly supports lifelong learning opportunities. As a candidate in this very important election, I'm fully aware of the challenges that our island will face over the next five years. And there hasn't been a single day over the last nine years that I haven't made myself available to the people of Onken. I therefore ask the people of Onken to come out and to vote once again for Rob Callister on Thursday the 23rd of September. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we've just got time, everybody, under round then. We've got time for one last question. Uh, Madam, your name and question. Veronica Wilson. It was in respect of, close, it was respect of mental health, which, you know, I've been a mental health nurse for 26 years okay. over here. But it's just that, not in theory, I want to know in practice what people are going to do. I mean, because I've seen a, quite a change, not for the professionals. There's no professionals and there's a backlog with child and adolescent mental health services with a backlog. You know, these are the children for the future okay, we're talking about. Okay, very quickly, Julie Edge. Well, as Chair of Social Affairs Policy Review, I've done many reports into mental health and the concerns. We need to have a proper triage system. We need to be focusing. I'd like to see mental health nurses working in our GP practices to help support families at the earliest opportunity. Rob Callister. Yeah, I agree with everything Julie says. I think mental health is going to be one of the a big, big issue in the next administration. Our school and head teachers actually asking for that support, I think, in our communities. When we come out of COVID, I think the full effects of mental health over the last 18 months will become a parent and it will need to be resourced correctly. James Cherry. Mental health is a massive thing that we've all all had issues with I think in the last 18 months. I know I certainly have and I know a lot of other people have. You know it's not something that's going to go away. Some people have got worse, some people it's horrendous. Yes we need a proper system that works. Do we have one? No. There's a lot of jigsaw pieces that go together to piece this together. It's not not just for mental health but for the island as a whole. We need to work on it and a lot of other Michael things. Leather. Mental health needs a lot of money and it requires um, very understanding people. First of all, the money must come from somewhere and the same as all the other promises of what, what's going to be done. Um, and again, as I, I've tried to say, we need a second income. Are you surprised that there is this, uh, this problem with mental health on the Isle of Man? Well, mental health is, is is everywhere. It's just that it hasn't been realised in, in in the old days, um, and now it's it's coming more 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 to where pe where people can appreciate. Okay, Peter Willers. Uh, yes, I'm um, fully aware of mental health problems for for many years. My mother was a mental health nurse, so as far as I'm concerned, it goes without saying that um, 
mental health is vitally important to society. Um, currently, the Isle of Man is suffering very badly. Uh, in the UK, they've developed a, uh, uh, an online system that um, psychotherapy can be uh, uh, given uh, online uh, and is used all the time now by um, hospitals, prison services, uh, government departments and uh, uh, other people to be referred to and they, they will, uh, they can get immediate access to um, psychotherapists okay. straight away. Okay, well uh, in a week's time ladies and gentlemen it will all be over bar 40 seconds. This time next week the polling booths will be about to close and the people around you will be breathing a big sigh of relief. Uh, thanks to Rob Callister, James Cherry, Julie Edge, Michael Leather and Peter Willers tonight. Our next Manx Radio uh, public out and about is at the Whistle Stop Cafe at Port Aaron uh, Railway Station on Monday and then at Seven Kingdoms for Douglas Central on Tuesday. Monday of course is Russian. Uh, I'm Andy Wint, and uh, thank you for being with us tonight. Tonight we've been live at the Ocean Views Bar and Grill in Onkern. <laughs> <laughs>